What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. It's been a minute since I've done one of these. I'm not going to lie. I apologize for the hiatus, but now we are back and with a new series as well. This series is called What's Next? And what I intend to do is go through all 30 NBA teams prior to the start of the NBA season and go over their team last year, as well as their strengths and weaknesses. Then I'll go over the team's offseason additions and how they mesh with the team as a whole. Finally, I give my thoughts on where they will land in the standings for this coming season. We're going in alphabetical order by the city. So today, we'll be starting with the Atlanta Hawks. Any further ado, let's get started. Just a brief summary or outline, rather, of what we're going to be doing in this What's Next series. First, we're going to start with the team overview. Then we're going to go over the top players on the team, the stars or superstars of the team. Then we're going to go into the other guys, the role players, the bench guys, the other people that make up the team. And finally, we're going to go into the standings prediction. Pretty self-explanatory. Let's get straight into things with the Atlanta Hawks. So last year, they had a record of 43-39, and 39, which was ninth in the Eastern Conference. It was only a two-game improvement from last season when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And overall, a, a step backwards. They lost in the first round to the Miami Heat in five games. And quite frankly, it wasn't close. It, it could have been a swept in all honesty. In terms of points per game, they had 113.9 points per game, which was sixth best in the NBA. Opponents' points per game was 112.4, which was 21st in the NBA. Bottom third team defensively. We'll go more into that later, but Atlanta, explosive offensively, but terrible on defense. And again, the offensive rating and defensive rating show the same story. Offensive rating was second best in the league with 116.5. Defensive rating was 26th in the NBA, 114.9. And pace. Despite having Trey Young and a lot of high flyers, actually 97.7 was his 20th in the NBA. Offensively, the team was an explosive offense, as explosive as one team could be with Trey Young running the show. You know that with Young, you'll be getting a very heliocentric offense centered around high ball screen pick and rolls. As we've seen in the past with offenses who have similar ball dominant guards like Luka Doncic, James Harden, etc. Young is a master at getting to one of the three methods of attack. The pull-up three-pointer, attacking the paint, which turns to a floater, a lob, or free throws, or a kick out to the corner once the defense collapses on him. And those kick-out passes are usually going to guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, who's now off the team due to free agency, or Daniel Gallinari, who's also off the team. Atlanta's front office did a good job of surrounding Young with shooters to maximize his dribble penetration ability, and quite frankly, it shows in the team's offensive numbers as a whole that those moves were the right call in terms of offense. In addition, he also had a constant threat of pick and roll, whether it be John Collins, who used to be his second best teammate. We'll get into that later. It's Clint Capella, Onyeka Okongwu. Young 
always has the ability to pick apart opposing defenses with high ball screen actions. From there, Trey Young's got to do what he does best, run the show and put his teammates in the best position to score. Defensively, however, is a different animal. They were in the bottom third in the NBA when it comes to points allowed by the opponent and defensive rating. Their defense was so porous, in fact, that they lost by double digits 20 times during the season, three of which came within their five-game series in the first round against the Miami Heat. A lot of that can be attributed to their franchise cornerstone, Trey Young. While he is superb on offense, on the defensive end, he's a straight-up liability. At 6'1 and barely 165 pounds, teams constantly look to target Young in the pick-and-roll whenever they can. The Hawks will try and hide him by putting another player like DeAndre Hunter or another lanky wing onto the team's best guard, but in today's NBA, you can only hide for so long. He's past NBA playoffs were a perfect example of that. Take, for example, the NBA Finals matchup between Golden State and Boston. For as stout as the Celtics' defense was at times, the Warriors were still able to get matchups that they liked in the pick and roll. Stephen Curry would force a switch, so he had a slower-footed Grant Williams or Al Horford on him and went to work time and time again. However, Williams and Horford had defensive strengths elsewhere on the court. Horford was a good rim protector. Williams had the strength to guard bigger guys. Young is a matchup problem that Atlanta cannot avoid. They try to bolster it with other defenders, but in my opinion, this past season was a poor showing all around. It was a group effort defensively, and they could not step up to the plate. In my mind, Atlanta needs to look to the past for inspiration. In 2001, a Philadelphia 76ers squad with Allen Iverson at the helm went head-to-head with the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Yes, this is a different era, and yes, they are two different players, but they are both miniature in size and both the key figures in their team's offense. Surrounding Trey with versatile defenders as well as shooting will be their best chance to rise within the Eastern Conference standings. With averages of 28 points per game and almost 10 assists per game, Young always fills up the stat sheet and is the clear number one option. But due to an offseason trade, Trey will have a new partner in crime in the ATL. That is DeJounte Murray. Murray has been steadily growing and developing his game for the last six seasons in San Antonio. The Spurs coaching and development staff have been critical in transforming players from just average guys to all-star caliber talent. Need proof? Look no further than Kawhi Leonard. He came into the league with special defensive tools, but lacked the offensive game to take him to the next level. A few years with the Spurs turned him into an all-star with an improved offensive skill set, and now he's one of the top players in the league. Murray was in a similar situation coming into the NBA. Great length and size at the point guard position to defend at a high level, but was offensively limited. Fast forward to the 2021-2022 season, Murray has become a 20-point-per-game scorer and has been selected to his first All-Star game. In addition, he also averaged 8 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 steals, which led the NBA, letting him take home the steals title. So Murray grew his game in San Antonio, but is he ready to take flight in Atlanta with the Hawks? Right off the bat, this move adds two things to Atlanta's roster that they sorely lacked a season ago. Another defender to hide Trey Young's deficiencies, and another ball handler to keep the offense going when Trey Young goes to the bench. With Trey on the bench, their offense is 10 points worse, a number that would put them in the bottom third of the league in terms of offensive production. Adding Murray, who has the ability to score on his own as well as creating for others, should help alleviate such a precipitous drop off. Defensively, adding the reigning NBA Seals champ certainly will help them. No doubt about that. 
Furthermore, Murray can take on some of the more demanding guard matchups and leave the forwards to the other guys like a Jalen Johnson or Justin Holiday. On both sides of the floor, this pickup of Dante Murray seems like a huge win and is a step in the right direction after what was such a disappointing season. After the stars of the backcourt, the next guy on this list is, quite frankly, a player that would have been in the top two selection prior to the arrival of DeJounte Murray. That player is John Collins. By his third season in 2019-2020, many people thought that John Collins would be the definitive second guy in Atlanta. He averaged almost 22 points and 10 boards a night and showed off his explosive leaping ability time and time again. Fast forward to this past season, and his production went backwards points dropping to 16, and boards just around 8 a game. Granted, that may be a product of Atlanta having so many weapons on the offensive end, but regardless, he hasn't been progressing towards that all-star caliber level many thought he would become. Collins will still be a key part of this Hawks offense moving forward, and with another guard and Murray to run pick and rolls with, I wouldn't be surprised to see Collins get closer to that 20 points per game range that we saw back in 2020. Same with the big men on the team. We have Clint Capella and Oyeka Okongwu. With Capella, at this point we know what we're going to get from him. He's a guy that fits in seamlessly with ball-dominant point guards. Back in Houston with James Harden, Capella set hard screens, rolled to the basket for lobs, and got rebounds and blocks. That's exactly what he does in the ATL as well. That's it. I don't mean to tone down on Capella, but saying that he he's a traditional center. And sometimes, well, it's all you really need. With Okongwu, or Big O, as some like to call him. He also plays a similar role to Capella. He'll run pick and rolls with the Atlanta guards and get easy scoring opportunities. The differentiator, in my opinion, between the two is Onyeka's defense and potential. Defensively, he reminds me a lot of Bam Adebayo. They are both undersized at the 5 and about 6'9", 6'8", 6'9", but they both can be elite weak side shot blockers and have had success with guarding bigger and stronger guys due to their length and athleticism. Now, Bam has a bit more polish to his offensive game at this point, but they compare pretty well in terms of builds defensively. Don't be surprised if Okongwu sees a lot more minutes this season, maybe even challenging Capella for that starting tender role. Another pickup this offseason was Frank Kaminsky. Not too much to say about him. He seemed like a more of an extra body pickup to have when going against some of the more bruising bigs in the East like Giannis or Embiid than a real piece for the team moving forward. Next up are the wings of the Hawks, which may be the most important position in basketball. All around the league, the top teams usually have two-way wings that can both defend multiple positions and score when called upon. The reigning champion Warriors had a litany of forwards to go out and disrupt the opposing team's offense and could shoot the three-ball at a high clip. Atlanta is trying to replicate that model to a certain extent with their roster this year. They have six wings on the roster that they will look to for production. First are the vets, Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless. They are two players that are around 6'7 and have been around the league long enough to know their roles as 3 and D specialists. Next is Bogdan McDonavich and DeAndre Hunter. I believe that their roles will be increased this season, especially with the loss of Kevin Herter to the Kings this offseason. Hunter especially will be called upon as the team's main defensive stopper in the starting lineup. Bogdanovich will likely be the team's sixth man and be a spark plug off that Atlanta bench. Finally, are the two players that are still young and need time to develop. Second year forward Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin, who was selected just outside this year's lottery. Although there's a year of experience separating the two, 
I honestly think that Griffin might end up getting more minutes than Johnson. Griffin showed the ability to shoot at a high level, ending his lone college season at Duke, a 45% three-point shooter. Johnson, while taller and longer, is nowhere near the same shooter as he shot 23% from three in his rookie season. Both of these players can be integral parts of the Hawks' future, but for now, expect minor contributions in the pros and maybe even some G League time for them. Finally, we have the guard spot off the bench, and there are three guards outside of Trey and DeJounte. Aaron Holiday, Tyrese Martin, and Trent Forrest. Holiday is probably the only one to see real minutes for this Atlanta squad. The guard minutes will be taken up by the two all-star guards on the team, so Holiday will be in for whatever non-young minutes there are within the game. Martin and Forrest are nice young players of potential, but for this team, who's going all in this year, they probably won't get too much run. Speaking of going all-in, let's see where the Hawks will fall this year in the Eastern Conference. PointsBet, the official sports betting partner of NBC Sports, has the Hawks over-under at 47.5 for this upcoming season. The Hawks added an all-star caliber player and have a solid group of guys around young with vets as well as young guys. And years prior, I put this team over by about 7 or so games. But this year's East is going to be stacked with talent. So it's tough to say where Atlanta will end up when it's all said and done. Boston is just coming off a finals appearance and improved their team during the offseason. Milwaukee has also made offseason moves to bolster their roster. And with a healthy Middleton, they look poised to make a deep run once again this postseason. Philadelphia may have had the best offseason out of any team with the acquisition of P.J. Tucker and Anthony Melton, among other names. Plus, a fresh James Harden as well as Tyrese Maxey continuing to steadily improve year after year. That's three teams that are definitely above Atlanta, in my opinion. From there, you can look at the team that beat them in the playoffs and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, the Miami Heat. They're definitely still in the mix as well and can end with a better record than Atlanta, depending on how everything shakes out. Then there's the Brooklyn Nets, who, if, if they keep Kyrie and Ky- Kevin Durant for this upcoming season with Ben Simmons there, plus the other guys they still have, I think they're better than the Hawks. I'll take Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving over Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. It's pretty easy. Even Ben Simmons versus John Collins. I'll take Ben Simmons. I'll take Ben Simmons in that matchup. That's sixth place in the East. And we haven't even gotten to teams like Cleveland and Toronto who are on the come up. Cleveland I'm especially high on. I think they have a team that can give Atlanta a lot of problems with the length and size that they have. Darius Garland is a dog. He'll go at Trey Young. They'll go tit for tat, blow for blow. No doubt about that. Toronto as well, reigning rookie of the year. A veteran core of Van Vliet, Siakam, OG Ananobi. They have a lot of guys that have been around the league, been around a championship organization, and know what it takes to win. Especially with the rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, he's going to improve. He's already shown improvement in the Rico Hines offseason runs. Instagram has blessed us with. We see an improved jumper from him. Just improvements all around. And I think Toronto could easily be better than Atlanta. The East is a gauntlet now. The time of a cakewalk through the East that LeBron went through for the 2010s. That's, that's long gone. For Atlanta, I say they can end up at best a fourth seed. And that worst, they'll be in a playing game trying to fight for that 7 for 8 seed. Most likely, I see them, I, I could say 5th seed. 
Atlanta Hawks will be a fifth seed winning around 45-46 games. They'll be a fun and exciting team to watch and may even win a playoff series. That's as far as I go. That's all for this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. I'm experimenting with the lengths of the episodes to see what works best. So if you notice the time of episodes varying a bit, that's the reason why. The What's Next series feels like 15 to 20 minutes is a good spot per team, so I'll probably end up keeping it there. But thank you so much for staying here till the end. I can guarantee you more episodes are on the way. Make sure to rate the podcast five stars as well as share it with friends and family. Until next time, take care.